0: hey everyone how you doing this is amon green green bay packers all-time leading rusher and you're listening to the
1: average cheese hosted by dale and todd two lifelong packer fans talking about their favorite team the 13-time champion green bay packers go pack go what the hell's going on
2: out here everybody's driving out there nobody's touching. get driving
1: everybody
0: In trouble.
2: It's gonna get there in turn thirty-two yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in, in the end zone, it is for the win. Welcome to episode 54 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. My friends Peter Jones and Todd Whitner are here today. It is the Larry McCarran version of the
1: Average Cheese. Before we go on, Peter, a little bit about Larry McCarron. Larry McCarron, the rock, probably best known these days for being on the Packers radio network, Pro Bowl center for the Packers in the 70s and 80s, played 100 and, I think off the top of my head, 162 games for the Packers, which is his consecutive number of starts. I think is in the 150s, which is in the top four or five all time for the Packers, and that's how he earned his nickname, the, the Rock, for always being there, very solid, good player, took over that center spot from Ken Bowman was there from the Lombardi era. And, yeah, no, an all-round excellent center, one of the best in the game during the era in which he, in which he played. And, yeah, like I say, it, you know, alongside, I guess these days, Wayne Larravee, the voice of the radio, Packers radio, that's how we probably best know him today. But excellent, excellent football player.
2: And Todd, what's his name? Hot uh, dog uh, finger. Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got a hot dog finger. Yes. He does. Well,
0: maybe it's, well. Ar- oh, since it's, maybe we should change it to a brat, <laughs> like a brat finger. It
2: something. would have been a brat finger back in his playing days, but he's lost a considerable amount of weight since his All playing right. days. So he's been reduced to a hot dog. Hot dog finger, yeah. I yeah. feel like that's apropos. I think that's yeah. what to say. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management and Dwight at DDG Customs.com. We appreciate you. We hope to make you a whole lot poorer today with the cuss jar. Because oh, it could get
0: ugly. It's it's It could very well get ugly.
2: So the amount of messages that I got from people about, ooh, we cannot wait to listen to this episode and see how many times you cuss. <laughs> I'm just going to apologize in advance to those folks because I have calmed down considerably since Sunday. I feel better about life, and I'm not sure that I'm going to light up the swear jar as much as people
1: expected I would. I'll take care of that then for you. Okay. And I will not apologize to any of those people, by the way. <laughs> then the rumor that I cussed on the pre-show chat is right. not, not true. <laughs> well, you can either confirm or not. Uh.
2: <laughs> he may or may not have cussed <laughs> in the pre-game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awesome. You know, it doesn't come out very often, but we appreciate your emotions. You don't put them on the show for whatever reason. It's okay. <laughs> we need a yin and a yang. Todd and I cussed. Peter yes. doesn't. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect synergy. Yeah. Good word. Synergy. I like that. There you go. Yeah. What else? Let's talk a little football. First of all, the average cheese pick'em contest, which I just realized, Peter, the reason you couldn't have signed up for it is I never sent you that link. I copied and pasted (laughs) it into Twitter. That would
0: be a reason.
2: (laughs) I copied and pasted it into Twitter and never hit the send button.
1: Wow. I just I just assumed that, that you just didn't want me in there. Dialogue. I didn't want you to take second place
2: to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am in. Well, and you're
0: you're gonna not only not send the guy the link, and then you're gonna talk shit to him afterwards. What's up with that? I oh, don't even oh. know
2: what you're talking
1: about. It's what I do. Oh. Todd's first episode, episode fifty-four. Never met me before. <laughs> I'm sitting on the bench this year. I'm the the Jordan Love of the Pick'em contest.
2: Yes. Peter you could probably get in for next week and still win, even though you're 16. Can you join late? Behind. Yeah, you can join at any time. Oh,
0: I thought it's like cumulative, isn't it?
2: It is cumulative, but everybody's got 10, 12 wins. Peter will catch up in like two weeks. So I'll just I'll give you guys a few weeks to start. Then,
0: then jump yeah, in. maybe it's like his tactic.
2: Right. Yeah. And then he can really talk some junk if he right. starts to pass us by. <laughs> I said shit before. Oh, you did? And since
0: I had to repeat myself, I guess
2: that's two. Remember, we cuss for charity. Habitat for Humanity gets richer every time we cuss. And Todd will not apologize for that. Zero. So right now, Chris from Milwaukee is in first place. And our friend J.J. Leahy is in last. How about that, J.J.? We still love you, even though we know you're 20. He's 26 years old, Peter. JJ. I thought he was like in his 30s or something. 26. He could be our kid. All of us. We're old enough to be his father. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, he's talking about 9-11. He's like, I was six. I'm like six. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, dang it. I was trying so hard not to cuss during this episode.
1: Just six. let it. Just let it go. <laughs> They would, okay. they, would, they would just uh, just keep on that subject. They were talking about out of the U.S. Open, the the, the ladies, the women's final, that, that neither of the finalists were even born when 9-11 happened. You know, the, yeah. It was played on the 20th anniversary, and neither of them were even born.
2: Uh, we had a rough enough Sunday, so let's just get right in. Yeah. We're going to forget Speaking, all the of rough,
1: <laughs> Speaking of rough days.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sunday was an ugly, ugly Packer game. So let's review that ugly, ugly Packer game. Let's just do what we always do. Let's try to find some good. There's plenty of bad and ugly we can talk about. We'll start with the good because there's very little of it. Todd, any good on Sunday offensively for the Packers? No. No. Okay.
0: There was not. I mean, I don't know how else to expand on that, but there was nothing. I didn't see one thing. I don't want to steal my bad because there's just like endless things to talk about. But maybe towards the end of the game when I saw Amari Rogers come out. That was kind of a bright spot to me, but you're stretching. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah. Other than that, I I don't. There wasn't one. You know, it was
1: it was just deplorable all around. So I I don't know. I have nothing good to say. I don't think anything went good. I thought their uniforms looked good when they they (laughs) first went out. When they first went out on offense, nice and clean. I thought thought Elton Jenkins held up well at left tackle. I thought I thought he played a good game. So I went back and watched the All 22 today, and Jenkins actually played a good game. The right side of the offensive line struggled badly, but I'm sure we'll we'll get to that. Like Todd, it was good to see Amari Rogers catch a nice pass late late in the game. Good pass and a very nice very nice catch, and it was good to see him get get in the game. Other than Elton Jenkins and a little cameo, I guess, from Jordan Love, who threw three or not, three or four nice balls, not a lot of good to be said on offense.
2: Really tough to find something good when you score three points. And three points in the two minute offense at the end of the half and, and really nothing around that on either side. Cause you look at the run game, it was non existent. So okay, I'm talking about the bad stuff. Let's try to think of the good things.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> but but it's like every time you want to try to like try to find a little nugget of goodness, you just automatically just go to bad because it was that bad.
2: It was that bad. I'll just go with the Jordan Love thing. It was nice that he got some reps in a real game. That's the only positive I can come up with because he was able to get in there. It was like 10 minutes left. I really would have liked to have seen more. Like he had Randall Cobb. Okay. Cobb's definitely the five or six. We can talk about that later. You know, Amari Rogers was in the game. That's great. But no MVS, no Devonte Adams, no Tunyon. You're You're not throwing it to the guys that you might be playing with down the road or maybe not but your your number ones and twos are not in there so you're trying to make magic with the three four five and six receiver it would have been nice to give him some real reps and honestly at that point while i know that they're trying to keep some balance so he's not freaked out but throw the
1: ball every play with jordan Long. yeah so, so the thing i didn't i didn't like on his first set of downs they went run run pass and, and i think the thing when you get a young quarterback playing in his first game or his first few games you, you pretty much got to call the plays the defense doesn't expect you to call. So if they're expecting you to run, pass. And if you're, they're expecting you to pass, run. Because I think it's unfair. They did convert that third down, but I think it's unfair to keep putting a rookie quarter, in essence, a rookie quarterback, into a must pass situation when everybody in the world knows he's got to pass. I think you want to take that pressure off him. So I wasn't overly impressed with what they gave him in terms of the play calling at the end there, but a small detail considering the rest of the game, to be honest.
2: So as we get into the bad and the ugly, remember this is about an hour-long show, so (laughs) let's keep it to maybe one or two bad things. Peter, let's start with (sighs) you, though. A
1: bad, ugly on offense. Just one, please. I'm going to start with the quarterback. I was disappointed in his... In, lot, in lots of aspects of his, of his play. But, but, but in particular, when you look at individual plays, he was late throwing a number of passes. So there are a number of situations. There's one particular one where Aaron Jones runs a crossing route and he's wide open. And by the time Rogers gets it to him, he's got a guy on him and, doesn't, and he doesn't get the first down. Now, last year, Rogers is making that throw, releasing that ball almost immediately. And Jones has gone for 10 or 15 or, tw- or 20 yards. And there's two or three plays like that. There's a play, I think it was on fourth down, when Randall Cobb gets open. You know, and he's the one, Rogers is the one that, that was, you know, all for bringing Randall Cobb back, et cetera, et cetera. Cobb's open and he tries to throw it to MVS, which was incomplete. Now, I think they got, they converted on a penalty, I think, on that play. But there was a number of those plays. And then there was a number of plays where there were guys open, either in the flat or across the middle when Rogers threw it downfield. Now, I understand you're going to do that sometimes. You're going to try and stretch the defense, particularly when you've got a speed like MVS. But I think it just looked completely out of sync. It looked like, and and I don't know how much of this we can put down to the offseason, and I know lots of people have talked about that in the last couple of days. It looked like Rogers was completely undercooked. It looked like he hadn't picked up a, a football since the NFC Championship game. This was... Part of my fear generally going into this game that we talked about last week, nobody having played in the preseason, that they would come in undercooked. And 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 I felt they did. And I felt that Rodgers in particular, it made him look really bad. I mean, that's about the worst all-round performance that I've seen from a Shaw Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, Todd, before you go,
2: I know exactly what pass you're talking about to Jones. Jones is coming across the middle. By the time he gets the ball, he's like seven yards from the sideline. There's nowhere for him to go. He is going in the direction of the sideline. He tried to make a cut. I thought that was a shit spot, by the way, on that play. I thought he was closer to the line. I know exactly what you're talking about. He throws that ball a half a second earlier or a second earlier. Now Jones has the ability to turn the corner or make a move on that guy, and he's going to get far more than he did. So, Tyler, let's go to you. The ugly from this game, oh, offensively.
0: I don't really know where to start. I think I'm just going to bounce all over the place, but I will agree with Peter in that. I mean, the stuff I saw from Rodgers easily was his worst game of his career. It was the worst offensive. Well, maybe not the worst offensive, one of the worst. Rodgers looked hungover to me. His eyes were bloodshot. I mean, I'm not even, like, <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding, like, when I say that. <laughs> Like he did. There was a couple of close-ups of him. And I was like, "That dude have a long fucking night or what?" I mean, it, it looked like it. And so, I I just started thinking of like, what what am I seeing right now? Honestly, like, what am I fucking seeing right now? And then I see his eyes, and I'm like, huh, Maybe maybe that was a late one. I, I don't know." So overall, worst performance that I've ever seen out of Aaron Rodgers. Worse all the way around. Some of the throws, the especially the deep pick, I mean, that was really uncharacteristic. How he thought that that safety was not going to come or didn't see that safety edging over there. I mean, you don't see him make throws like that ever. So that was, he was just absolutely across the board terrible. The offensive line, and I would agree, Jenkins might have been the only bright spot. Everyone else I thought was just absolutely horrendous, especially Royce Newman. He doesn't belong out there. I don't know what the fuck that guy was doing out there, but he was fucking getting crushed. I mean, left and right, literally almost every single play was Royce Newman. I, and I don't, I was kind of wondering why isn't Runyon starting What he had, you know, game time from last year. I mean, it's got to feel weird to Josh Myers as a rookie center with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And then you have who's to my right and left. And you've got another rookie to your right. I don't know, man. I, I don't evaluate those players, but man, I, I was shocked to see him. And he, fucking sucked. He was awful. And the whole line collapsed around that as well. So overall, even though Jenkins might have had a good game, the, the entire offensive line, I think was absolutely terrible and probably, gosh, I could probably just keep going, but the, the other thing I saw that looked and maybe this is a co- more on the coaching side, but it, it, it dealt with like MVS. I just felt like the situations they were putting him in, and the the types of routes and stuff, these short yardage things. That's not his job. That's not his job. That's that's not what he does. Why is he Why is he doing all this shit? Like there was a quick out. There was like all this other stuff that was going on with him, and it just looked like that. Just like appeared weird to me. I've haven't seen them use MBS in that capacity before. So I was a little bit confused by that. In addition to the fact that Lazard's your number two anyway, that's his work. And you, you wanted to get Cobb back. That's his work too. let those guys work in the middle and on the inside. And you, you do what MBS does, which is get downfield and fucking catch the deep ball. But that looked weird to me. Either of you guys think that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It looked like square pegs and round holes. It was it's it's very, very odd. You know, we know what MVS's strengths are, his speed down the field, its ability to stretch the field. And and then like you say, you've got those other guys, you've got Lazard, you've got Cobb. Those guys were pretty anonymous for the whole game. Yeah. And, I, and it's very, very strange. It was very, very confusing.
0: It just was really weird. thought It was like, didn't we learn our lesson last year? By the way, I just recycled my quarters through my jar. I don't know how many <laughs> that is. And I'm not done on the offense.
2: Okay, well, let me go for a little bit <laughs> while you recycle your quarters because you're I did.
0: Out. I, I, I already ran out. I had to recycle.
2: First of all, I want to believe that Lafleur was playing chess with the whole MVS thing. Where I'm gonna run MVS on routes you don't expect, so that when he goes deep, he's blowing by somebody. But I honestly don't think that's what it was. You can run variations off that stick, so he doesn't have to run curls and things like that. Like he can run different routes and still be effective. Everybody else on the wide receiver room is more effective doing that than MVS. Every other guy. Yep. Including and and you got Tunyon.
0: Antonio, opinion,
2: and you have Tony. And Aaron Jones and Kylan Hill. And yeah. like all those guys can run those short routes. MBS is MBS. Stop. That wasn't even my bad, but I totally agree. I like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why? Why right, are you doing right. that with him? Here is my bad. And I get it. It's 38-3. AJ Dillon, four carries, 19 yards. Kylan Hill, five carries, 14 yards. Aaron Jones, five carries, nine yards. Randall Cobb, one for one. I can't do the math that quickly in my head, but that is 43 combined yards if I'm doing the math right. Rushing. I get it. You were getting blown out in this game, but you weren't getting blown out in the beginning. you got to be better than that. That's Mike McCarthy-like play calling. We're going to go five wides in the first quarter when we have two guys, three guys that can run the football? And it's hotter than a motherfucker out there. And we talked about this on the Average Cheese, Matt. So you need to listen when we're talking. And you need to run the football and control clock. One, A.J. Dillon needs to get more carries. Period. Especially in the game when when it's early. So he can punch guys in the face. You have to run the football more than that. But it does go back to the line of scrimmage. It goes back to Royce Newman getting thrown right on his back on some plays where he was just getting run the fuck over. But you got to be better than that. You have to at least attempt running plays.
1: And that's my bad. It was ugly. The run game was ugly to me. What's interesting about that, and you're absolutely right, you know, 17-3 at halftime, right? You're still in the game. And you're getting the ball. And you're getting the ball back. And you've already given up on the run about a quarter before that. That's one thing if you're going into – midway through the third quarter and you're three scores down or four scores down, but you're two scores down, you know, and we've seen plenty of games where that turns around in a heartbeat. So to give up on the run that quickly, you're absolutely right. I mean, that takes us back to Mike McCarthy's play calling days. I think the other thing alongside that almost is, is where was the jet sweep stuff? All of that that pre-snap motion Right. That we've seen for the last for the last two years, whether it was Tyler Irvin running it or whoever was running it, it's like where was any of that stuff? I mean, we saw it once with the Cobb carry for one yard or whatever it was. And but, why is thirty
2: nine year old Randall Cobb but, running last <laughs> right. week?
1: But you know that's been a staple of the Packers' offense for the last two years of Lafleur's Lef- offense, and it just was non-existent. And it's like the play on the field was bad, starting with the quarterback, all the way through. But the play calling and the game plan, you know, when you think about things like no jet sweeps, et cetera, et cetera, M- MVS, you know, square peg and round hole and all of that stuff, it's like, where on earth was the game planning for this for this game? Because that appears to be either really bad or just non-existent as well. You know, back to the running
0: game, I mean, I almost think after seeing Dylan in the preseason and seeing what I saw on Sunday and what I've seen, you know, a little bit last year, I think. He, Kylan Hill should be at number two. I think he's better than Dylan right now. I honestly think they could get a little bit more benefit out of giving it to Kylan Hill instead of Dylan as a number two running back.
2: I'm not ready Maybe. to go there yet. We haven't seen enough of AJ Dylan.
0: I'm telling you, I'm four telling carries. You. He had four carries. It's just the it's it's kind of like the running style of Dylan just does not excite me. But Kylan Hill, he can play make plays. He's shifty. He's fast. It's almost like having a Williams back. We can talk about that a
2: little bit, too. So I watched last night the in condensed version of the game, which is awesome to watch. Like you said, Todd, yeah. you can get a game yeah. done in like 35 minutes. Yep. There was some, not a lot, there was some pressure on the quarterback. They didn't stay in their lanes very well, and that caused them problems with Jameis Winston. But Gary had pressures. Preston Smith had some pressures. In fact, there was one time they had great pressures early in the game where Winston ran for maybe 20 yards because they just got out of pocket. So I thought there was a decent pass rush for some of it. There was that one play, and I know I'm going to negative and I'm trying to stay positive. (laughs) Here we go. Winston stood back there for like an entire minute. Oh, yeah. And then threw the ball away, which is amazing coverage. But – Yeah, he was back there for like 45 seconds just standing there like, what do I do with this thing? I will say it now. Rashawn Gary is going to have 15 sacks this year. That's my opinion. I think he's that good. He's going to be that good. (laughs) Mark the tape, baby. All right. Peter, some
1: positives on defense. I thought the pressure was generally okay. I I wouldn't class it as much more than that, but I think it was okay. I thought the back end of the Packers' defense – between the twenties held up pretty well. It didn't hold up so well in, in the red zone. You got different stuff going on. You got different packages and stuff. So I thought generally speaking, uh, Jair Alexander and those guys held up well. There was the bad play by Kevin King, but on the good, we're on the good stuff. <laughs> so I wasn't at the end of the day, the, the Saints offense was pretty much on the field for most, for most of the game. So I, I thought the defense wasn't as bad as it appeared to be. I think in the early going my concern about the defense and this is where you know I nearly went off on one during the game on Sunday is it looked to me like it was more passive than last than last year's defense occasionally they played press man coverage but quite a lot those corners were off Kevin King was playing I didn't see too much in terms of sending pressure on Jameis Winston from the linebackers or or the safety so no, very little in terms of, you know, sending five or six or seven guys off passer. It looked very, very passive to me. Um, they allowed an extraordinary number of third down conversions, you know, because they were playing nine or ten yards off on third and six and that and that kind of stuff again. And so all of this talk that we've had uh, over the summer, I don't know where it all started about this being more aggressive. To me, it just wasn't any of that. And it, I, I found that extremely Extremely disappointing, but I guess I've lapsed into the bad stuff. So, over <laughs> the over to you, Todd, to find some good. stuff. <laughs> to find the good, huh? Okay. Um, there, I, I thought there was a, a couple.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll try to remain as positive as possible. Jair, of course, what more needs to be said? He's he's right back to. He hasn't missed a beat from last year. From the way he looked out on the field, so I guess my only knock on Jair would be that I, I almost expect him to to lead that defense to be the leader, the overall leader, but. That's another topic for another day, but other good. I thought Stokes looked good. And, and, and I mean that, that past breakup that he had, I think, I don't know how many uh, reps he really got throughout the game, but he did make a nice play and he was right there. He kind of looks and plays the part already. I mean, he looks confident on the field right now. So I wonder how short of a leash either King is on or how they shuffle the deck there in, in the secondary. I thought Preston Smith looked better. He had a decent game. I don't know what his, where his numbers were at. I thought Preston Smith looked looked pretty good. Obviously Z'Darrius Smith. I don't know what the deal is with his injury. They're keeping it real hush hush, but he didn't get the amount of reps, but when he was in there, he was effective and he had a completely horseshit call for roughing the passer. It was pretty bad. Other than that, Z Smith or um, Sean Gary. Sure. He well, he wasn't bad. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that was it for me on uh, on the positives.
2: The amount of cuss words I had after that Zadarius Smith p- penalty just dropped the entire amount of quarters I have in my house into the jar. I actually got up out of my seat and cussed. Like the, it was <laughs> so bad. When Aikman and Buck say it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. That was a terrible call.
0: I they got to start reviewing that stuff, right? I mean, is there a reason why they don't review that shit?
2: A subjective call, right? It's not a rules like enforced yes or no. That was a hero I mean, is, isn't,
0: call. Isn't past interference subjective in a way? Yeah. I mean, it is. Okay. Well, Peter? then, then everything that's subjective as a everything call is should...
2: subjective. Yeah. Everything, every uh,
0: call sure. is subjective. Right. You so, can so, say every so, every is so then you can't so exclude I... any.
1: Yeah, but I guess they went with the the past. Test, if you like, for one year with the pass interference thing. So that's no longer reviewable either. Oh, that's so true. that's so so true. to reverse that. So pretty much everything that's reviewable is theoretically a matter of fact. So did he step out of bounds or not? Did the ball cross the goal line or not? Were there twelve players on the field or not? All of those things are theoretically a matter of a matter of fact, rather than somebody's opinion as to whether it was pass interference or or roughing the passer or whatever it might be. The interesting thing for me, and I and I don't, don't know whether you guys well, I have seen this, but I don't know whether the NFL have come out yet with a comment about that call. Cause I expect them to this week. I haven't I, seen I'm it. Ch- maybe when they review the stuff on tomorrow, um, I would expect them to come out and say that the, that the officials got it, got that wrong. Bad. Yeah.
0: It was like a Clay Matthews call. He used to get those yeah, calls all the yeah, time. It was Absolutely. worse.
2: It was
1: yeah, worse. It was I mean,
0: But you would think, too, is like, here's another point, right? The NFL is so worried, and and there's so many. I mean, you remember watching football in the 80s. I mean, quarterbacks used to get annihilated, spearing to the head, to the face. It didn't matter. Uh, You know, horse collars, it didn't matter. Just throw them around like a rag doll, right? I mean, the NFL has taken decades to protect quarterbacks. Why wouldn't you review hits on a quarterback then as a penalty if you're trying to protect them overall? It's just another thing you could do.
1: Whatever. Yeah. I mean I I think it was ludicrous. I it's difficult to tell and and they didn't run enough angles for me as to whether Darnell Savage actually caught that ball or not. Um, oh yeah. Because it lo- it looked like a trap. I'm not I'm not certain. No. I think I don't think you could think see it was. It. You could you could see it well enough. So it may not have stood as an interception anyway, but you know, had it been a closer game, and even at that point, you know, the game hadn't totally gone. But had it been a closer game, I think we'd been more, more, even more upset about it because it was a shocking call, absolutely shocking.
2: I was reading an article about that today, so I put it pulled it back up. Mike Golick pointed out today on Monday's PFT live show how ridiculous the call was. It was so bad in three that the booth umpire could have gotten in the ear of the referee and advised him to pick up the flag. Well, why didn't he? Fuck. I don't know, but that I didn't know that was a possibility, to be honest. I did not know that that was a thing. So Go say ahead. that again.
0: Who is the person? Michael was
2: talking about it, former ESPN guy. No, I know, no, but who whatever.
0: is the referee? You said the head referee can make pick up, pick up the flag?
2: It says the real purpose of the sky judge or booth umpire is to um, give okay, field okay. officials the benefit of images and angles that everybody else sees. Huh. Well, what in the actual fuck then? Like that was... <laughs> the, it was the absolute epitome of what you're supposed to do. He landed off to the side. He didn't keep holding on to him on the way down. Like all of those things are resulting from that whole Clay Matthews mess because well, Matthews didn't hold on on the way down either. But like it all came from that. Yeah. The NFL has to say something about that. They have to come out and say, we missed that call. They don't have to, there doesn't have to be any retribution or anything like that. They have to come out and say that was a legal hit. And then they should say, and Darnell Savage did not catch the football so they can save a little bit of face, even though I think he did, even though the point of the ball hit the ground because he had control. That's another rule they had come out. I feel like it was an interception, good, of course, I'm a fucking Packer fan. So I'm going to say that, but even my <laughs> non-biased part of me thinks that was a catch. And that was not a penalty. And I'm sorry I'm yelling. So I'll take a step back. <laughs> but I'm mad. Dang it. Where
1: are we anyway? I feel like I was being yelled at. And I, and I was, no. just to remind you, Dale, that I wasn't the referee that the umpire that the flag. It was, it was. Was I cool looking up right up, at yeah. you, Peter, yeah, the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll go and get my zebra uniform on. Okay. <laughs>
2: Then I'll just start cussing. God God damn it, Peter. Anyway, I think we're talking about the good, actually. Oh, there we go. Digressing over to the bad. Yeah. Let's go. Talk about the bad, Todd. Start with anything. Oh, I got one more uh, good thing about the defense. Let me say one positive thing. I'll try to keep it positive. If I read you the statistics for these guys and you don't know anything about the game, who wins this game? Jameis Winston, 14 for 20, 148 yards. If I leave out the five touchdowns (laughs) part of it. But but right? (laughs) Yeah, there was that. 148 yards passing and like 55 of them came on one fucking play. That's true. Alvin Kamara, 20 carries for 83 yards. Okay. Three catches for eight. Under 100 combined yards for Alvin Kamara. Two catches for 72 yards. Deontay Harris was the best receiver on the field for New Orleans. So no one went over 100 yards rushing. No one went over 100 yards receiving. And Jameis Winston didn't even reach 200 yards passing. Not even 150. Yeah. You think you win that game, right? You hear those statistics. So was the defense bad? I don't fucking think so have to say that all right on to the bad todd i'm ready i
0: I thought they were bad as a coaching debut for barry that it couldn't have gone any worse it looked like at a certain point i don't know if it was second quarter or or the beginning of the third or something it it looked like he just had lost complete control of what was going on on the field just lost control of his players it just looked like there was a complete there was an unplugging between them uh and, and the coach so i don't i don't know what's going on there but as a defensive coordinator debut i thought it couldn't have went any poorly for him um what you know the different schemes and stuff that he was trying to run i thought nothing was working so uh, you know all, end of the day it all falls on his shoulders Lowry lancaster i'm not even going to spend any time on them actually or even one more word of, um because would have to recycle a lot of quarters yeah they didn't play well that's to be expected out of those two right they sucked i thought garvin is lost i thought he was lost in the preseason and there was one play i can't remember what it was where he was just he was almost in this like one on one like almost like this fight with with the uh left tackle and the play was like the the running back was running right behind him he had his back to the running back and he had no idea whether or not a play was even coming to his side he was that entangled and just completely that's that's just being lost on the football field i thought he was awful i thought king i i'm concerned with i'll I'll tell you what i've defended king but i have a serious concern over king about i don't know if it's he's he's lost a step but he isn't playing like the way he was playing going into the last couple of games of the season of the, the end of last season, it has continued. That's a huge concern of mine. And that's, and I thought that this, the play, the couple of plays that Stokes was in, I, I wonder how short of a leech King is on. And of course I, I wasn't happy with Shannon Sullivan whatsoever either. I didn't think he was, he had a, a very good game
2: as well.
1: I'll respond to that later. Peter, go ahead. Let's go with the bad, ugly like i said earlier i thought the defense was very passive they didn't even force the saints to punt until i think the third quarter was nearly over so although other than you know the big play that you talked about you know the saints didn't get lots of chunk yardage they kept converting third downs they kept control of the ball the packers were very passive i'm not sure that they ever sent more than four or five guys after the after the passer, despite what we heard all summer the situation with kevin king i don't understand If you're going to play Kevin King and start him, I don't understand why you're playing him 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. He's got to be up there with his face to the receiver up at the line of scrimmage and you give him safety help behind. They're going to kill you all day if you allow that kind of space between the receiver and and King. And whether that's a play that's coming in front of King or whether, whether you're giving that receiver time to run his pattern in front of King and then beat and then you know, get behind him and beat him deep with whichever it is. To me, you have to play King up on the line of scrimmage else else you you should you shouldn't be playing him. So my bigger concern is yes, I think King's struggling, but I also think I don't know what you're doing with him when he's got a certain skill set and you're playing something completely different. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. It makes even less sense when you consider that they re signed King and brought him back. So they brought him back again to play as a square peg in a round hole. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. I was very dispirited with what I saw from, from the defense. I think the stats, and you're right, Dale, you know, that they held Kamara pretty well. I don't think the stats necessarily show how dominant the Saints' offense was. And I'm not talking about loads of big plays, I'm talking about eating up yards time after time, converting third downs time after time. I was more dispirited, actually, with the Packers' defence than I was the Packers' offence, and that might be because you get the sense, hopefully, because of history, that the offence can be turned around quite quickly. I saw nothing on Sunday that says to me, this defence is better than it's been in the last few years. In fact, I just had this feeling that, actually, you know what, this looks worse. Yeah. It was difficult to totally put your finger on exactly what it was. Right. It, it just looked bad. You hope to see Jack Heflin was was an active. Well, I hope he's active next Monday night because yeah, surely he's going to give us more than than what we saw from the defensive line this past weekend. Even in terms of effort, if nothing else.
2: I rarely say that a guy is not giving effort. Like, I try not to say that because I feel like guys are given what they have within their physical limitation. To go back to what both of you said, one, Kevin King is not a fast defensive back. He cannot cover that gap, whatever it is. If he doesn't put his hands on a guy, they're going by him. That's going to happen. Now, yeah, you can look back to the NFC Championship game, but then you've got to cover him over the top. You have to. Kevin King has a specific skill set, but he looked disinterested. I hate to say that about a professional player, but that play where he got beat deep, it looked like he was about half speed. Like he didn't think anyone was going to throw it there. And he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm not doing it. That was disappointing. The other thing was, I'm with you, Todd, on the Joe Barry thing. Like it doesn't, it just looks like Patton 2.0. It looks like, and what you said, Peter, it's a passive, you know, they're playing more zone, right? That's a Joe Barry thing. They're going to play more of a zone than they did. Well, that's not the guys you have on the fucking roster. So that might be a problem. Kevin King is not a zone guy and Jair Alexander needs to be in somebody's grill too, because he's good enough to play those guys. But if you go out and you draft a guy in the fifth round and you know, I love TJ Slayton. But that's your only change on the defensive line is that you drafted a guy in the fifth round and you still have Tyler Lancaster and you still have Dean Lowry and you still have Jonathan Garvin. and You still have the same guys. And then you go to your linebacker core, which wasn't good. And you cut the guy that you just drafted. And then you pick Devondre Campbell who looked pretty good to be fair, but that's your only change. He's on his third team. Those are your two upgrades. It's the same fucking defense. Of course it's going to fucking suck because it's the same guys doing the exact same thing that they did last year. How in the world can Joe Barry be blamed for having shit personnel out there? TJ Slayton needs to play more. That's my opinion. I don't think he played great, but he is going to stuff the run more often than Tyler Lancaster is, and Dean Lowry. We I know we talk about him every game of every year, but they fucking suck. <laughs> they just do. <laughs> Jack Heflin needs to fucking play. I'm so sorry. I really plan on not cussing in this episode. Do
0: not apologize. I don't know what you're apologizing.
2: Jack Heflin needs to play because he's going to give you what he has.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly the point I was trying to make. I wasn't necessarily trying to question the effort of other guys. When I am. I about, when I talked about Heflin, he's an all-out effort, non-stop motor. Is going to give you a hundred and ten percent on every play. Even if he doesn't have a hundred and ten percent to give, he's going to give it. And we've seen no upgrade in terms of in terms of the players. Perhaps TJ Slayton will be in time. You know, we all like that draft pick, and we've got to give him give him some time. But when you're playing pretty much what you had last year and what you had the year before, and that's what you've just touched on. Dale, when you do have the opportunity to get a hefflin in there, and I'm not saying you know he's the second coming of Reggie White or anything, anything remotely silly like that. But when you've got a chance to have something different in there, if you keep doing the same thing, you're literally going to get the same results, aren't you? And 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 at some point, you've got you've got to get get those other guys in there and give them a chance. Now, maybe they felt he wasn't quite ready this past weekend. There's a reason he's on the roster. Whoever they are, there's a reason they're on the roster. You need to give them. The opportunity from what we've seen, albeit 60 minute play, you know, there's nothing in there to excite us about what we saw personnel wise. Um, you're right about Campbell. I thought Campbell was, was solid. And again, you know, you just hope as the season goes on that, that, that he'll get better. And we hope that in essence, that the whole game was a just an aberration. But I was throwing pennies in my swear jar on Sunday, and that's, that's unusual for me, but it was mostly around the defense. And again, just to reiterate the point. That's because I think the offense, from historically, we know they can turn that around, but the defense just looks like, as you said, Peyton two point or heaven forbid, even worse than that. So the special yeah. teams wasn't abysmal. But there's your positive. Even if the special teams had been abysmal, it would still probably have been better than the offense <laughs> and, and, and defense. So, 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 yeah. they, so they, there wasn't a high, you know, a high bar for them to get to get over. But it was, you know, the special teams was it was solid nothing to write home about but it was it was solid enough
0: but jork was, or whatever the fuck his name is he got a workout in for being. he, did. he was like shit man I, I thought i was going to the packers and just. <laughs> yeah i'm never gonna have to punt fucking the ride it million out million <laughs> i punted like fucking eight times out here <laughs> if did. anyone if anyone is fucking so geez here we go If anyone's sore, I mean, it's got to be him. He played the
1: most. Bajorquez is like, what the
2: fuck is going on?
1: Give me a nice bath. I did write that before the season that it surprised me after they released J.K. Scott that they bothered getting another punter because they'd never punt. Let it be crappy. I I put the off on that, didn't I?
0: (laughs) Bajorquez or whatever the fuck his name is. (laughs) He probably thought he was was just going to ride off into the sunset in old Green Bay. I barely, they barely punt there they got Aaron AR I'm good.
2: it was interesting to watch him punt one he doesn't do the J K. Scott point in the direction he's punting but he's all over the damn place right <laughs> One ball's going way to the right one's going way to the left I think he just lets it fly. he's think, just gonna I slam so. the ball as hard as he can just bombs it. see what happens but whatever do it what works. He averaged like 45 yards a kick. He didn't get a long, of like 59 or something. So we'll take it. Yeah, 59 is a bomb. That was a a high and long kick too. And I think that's a difference. You can put it way up in the air so you can get down there. I did put on Twitter, Burks and Summers made a tackle together on special teams. They met at the football.
0: A big fucking deal. (laughs) Who cares? Hey, hey. I oh, How- um,
2: <laughs> did that just for I'm recycling. You, I'm
0: recycling. You're going to have to shut those
2: quarters because you got a lot, buddy. Second recycle. Jesus.
1: However, however you thought that was, it, just as an aside, I don't know whether you've seen this play, but there's a play in the Giants-Broncos game. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name, but one of the Giants offensive linemen ends up blocking one of the other Giants offensive linemen. It's absolutely uh, – and he's literally blocking him. <laughs> Saw that. it's absolutely hilarious you got to check that out it's there on youtube and twitter and stuff it is so funny <laughs>
2: that's great <laughs> at least we didn't do that right? right there's another
1: positive there we go
2: any final thoughts so we can talk about the lions packers for next week i do, I do. okay all, all right i think
0: it's sort of on the defensive side too is like if you're an NFL team going to play the this Packers defense right now, it's the same script as the last couple of years. It's you only need to do one thing: double team Kenny Clark. There.
2: Yes, I love Kenny uh,
0: Clark. I'm sorry. <laughs> double all, all you need to do: double team Kenny Clark. That's it. That's the only thing you need to do as an offense. Right, double team Kenny Clark. The rest will take care of itself. The other thing I, I from the game was just. What game did Bakhtiari go out of last year? Was it right before the Tampa? I know he didn't play in the Tampa game. The only playoff game he missed was at the Tampa Bay game. I think he
1: went out the last week of the regular season. Did he? Okay. okay. Yeah, I think
0: maybe it was a game. So either way, I just remember that watching a few games without him, especially in the Tampa Bay game, you just really were like, damn, like the whole offense kind of shuts down without this guy on the field. He is that important is that strategically important on that offensive line everything kind of operates off of him i mean from sunday i kind of had that same feeling like seeing him on the side and i'm like something doesn't feel right you know and then everything started to kind of happen and i just felt myself like right in the same spot as i was last year with without him on the field he's that important i wonder if they're going to speed up his shit or what
1: well, I mean, part you know, and part of that issue is that means, you know, you have got to move Elton, Elton Jenkins, lost Corey Lindsley. And before you know it, the whole of the left side of the offensive line is completely different. They moved, moved Lucas Patrick from right guard to left guard. So now the whole line, in essence, is completely messed up. And I think that I think to be fair, I didn't see too many analysts talking about that when they went into last weekend's game saying this is going to be a huge issue. And but it was a huge issue it was a big problem i mean back is not going to be back until was it week 7 i think it yeah. is yeah he has to least 6 weeks
2: right 6 weeks yeah. on the pub
1: yeah Holy yeah shit. Um, you know and, and and to be fair you know when you think about it, he was injured right at the end of the regular season last year you know that kind of knee injury for a guy that size you know typically is 10 11 12 months and I'm suppose. sure that, you know, that the pack, and the Packers are typically cautious anyway. You know, even if he's ready to go in week seven or whatever it is, uh, you know, you can see them working him back in slowly. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not out, you know, if he doesn't start until about week nine or week 10, that wouldn't surprise me in the, unless he's further along in his recovery, than I totally agree I to It's just the whole line then just gets completely, completely messed up. And I totally agree with your earlier point about John Runyon. Certainly in retrospect now, given how well Runyon played at left guard last year, it would make more sense for Runyon to be back in at left guard and, and Patrick back at back at right guard. But I guess we don't see what they see.
2: If you look at the line, it's an almost completely different offensive line than last year. Every position, Elton Jenkins granted in the last game played left tackle, but minus that game, it's all new guys. Patrick being on the other side Like those offensive linemen always say, it's like wiping your butt with the other hand. They're not used to being on that side. You know, their steps are different. And they aren't gelling, clearly. This looked like the Packers thought they could roll out the footballs and win this football game. That's how I read it. That's the whole demeanor of the game. That's how I felt when I watched it. Like, Remember that New Orleans was one Jared Cook fumble, possibly – from playing the Packers in the NFC championship game last year. That's a good football team. And I will say that Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston probably should have been the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints last year. I think he has more physical skills than Drew Brees did in his final year. And I know that wasn't going to happen, but this is a better New Orleans Saints team because Jameis Winston is better than 41 year old Drew Brees. This is a good football team who will be in the playoffs this year I'm sort of making excuses, but what I'm really trying to say is I think the Packers overlook the Saints, even though they're a very good football team. The Packers, I don't know if the line has changed, are 11.5-point favorites against the Detroit Lions at home on Monday. That is a huge number if you're a betting man. So let's talk about them a little bit. Let's start with you, Todd. If you look at their depth chart, the Detroit Lions depth chart, what guys scare you? What guys concern you on their offense? I mean, you know, Goff is a, he's a wishy-washy kind of quarterback, but
0: when, when he's on, I mean, he's, he can light it up. So I kind of had a back and forth game, I think, against the oh, the Niners. Wasn't the it?
2: Niners. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The Niners dropped like 30 some points on him in the first half. It's crazy. I mean, Goff literally led them back. Uh, in the second half, damn near came close to uh, winning that game or at least getting it uh, under control. But I, I think Jared Goff is probably the one person that I'd, I'd be cognizant of. If they can disrupt him, get him out of his rhythm, I think we have a, a decent shot at uh, winning that game.
1: I think it's one of those rosters that when you look at it, there isn't too much there that you could pick out this guy or that guy. I think the the offensive line is strong. I think they've got a nice, solid offensive line in contrast to where we're feeling right now about the Packers offensive <laughs> offensive line, yeah, I mean, Goff is one of those guys that he's one of those guys that you don't think he's going to scare you, but he's a solid quarterback. I mean, he's good enough to take a Rams team to the Super Bowl. Now I know there's lots of other factors that go into that. You've got Aaron Donald and all those guys that Rams had, but they still got to the Super Bowl, and that means you've had at the very least some solid play at the at the quarterback position. Now he, he's not Matthew Stafford. He's not Vinny Jaron Rogers, but he's a so- he's a solid quarterback. And, and like Todd said, you know, he led the the Lions back from a huge deficit on Sunday. Now you can't always read into that defensive gets soft, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, we'll see. I, I think we even saw Quiddas Tefas catch a touchdown pass on on Sunday. You know, we will see Jamal Williams. Hopefully, yeah, T.J. Hawkinson. I guess you know it's probably the what you would think is probably their best offensive skill player, good blocker and receiver at tight end. So there's some players there, but there isn't too much that you would say that guy's an all-star, that guy's a pro bowler, that guy's going to really scare us.
2: The people that scare me, not because they're elite talent, but is the guys you just talked about, Jamal Williams, who we know what he can do. He's not going to be shifty, but he's he's solid, and he's a good player, and TJ Hawkinson, because the Packers have not proven – that that one, they can cover the tight end. They couldn't do it last year. They couldn't do it on Sunday against the Saints either. And they couldn't stop the run. There's DeAndre Swift, who hasn't done anything great, but they can run the football probably behind a decent offensive line. And if Goff throws it to the tight end, we don't have an answer for that. So those guys really scare me because of the way the Packers are playing. Jeff Okuda is out. On injury reserve, so their defensive backfield is going to be terrible. Onzerike is questionable. And the one receiver that might have been okay, Tyrell Williams, is in the concussion protocol. So they are not 100% already after week one. I don't know that anyone scares me on that team, but do the Packers look past Detroit like they did in New Orleans? That scares me.
1: That part I worry about. I'm asking myself today, is this a must-win game for the Packers? You, you know, you would expect to, all things being equal for the Packers to beat Detroit. But with the 49ers and Steelers coming up next, you'd hate to be going into those two games at 0-2. Now, I know it's early in the season. I know there'll be 15 games to play after this one. That would be a, a, a not a good place to be. So it's really early in the season to ask ourselves the question, is this a game the Packers absolutely have to win? I say yes to that. I hundred percent agree. You got to win the games you should
2: win, because there are a lot of. We talked about it before. Five, four, five, six losses. Like there are games on this schedule that look like losses. And to be fair, I thought the Saints were a win, so I'm already a game behind where I thought they would be. Yes, to me, this is a must-win game because you've got to win games you end up within the division one because it might be a dogfight if the Packers don't play well. And two, it's the Lions, and they fucking suck. So you got to win that game.
0: It's like you guys are reading my mind the the whole time. I, there has to be a sense of urgency. I mean, that has to be. I I hope that, hopefully, you know Lafleur grabs this fucking team by the ear and gets in their ass this week. And 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 I don't think this. You know, I didn't really enjoy Aaron's comments after the game. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's just one game. We got. To we got the whole season to go. And it's like, mm, yeah, but it was a really bad game.
2: Yeah. And you shit and, in bed in
0: that one game. Right. It's, it's all going to matter how they react to this. There's got to be a sense of urgency and effort. And I, I agree uh, that the effort level just didn't seem to be there. The intensity level was low. I mean, I got to throw that onto the coaches, get these guys ready, get them hyped up, get in their ass. There has to be a sense of urgency. Like this game is huge. I don't even care if it's, the chiefs or detroit it doesn't matter this ha this is a must game win for them
1: if they were to lay another egg on sunday and drop to 0 and two with the 49ers and steelers coming up t- the next two weeks this is a team that could easily start O and four hey, yeah. they could they could still be one and three after this next next group of games depending on the level what they play on sunday and in the following two weeks. And okay, the season's not quite done, but it's close to being done, especially if you're row and four, it's close to being done at one, and, at one and three. It's a, I know it's a long season, but you got to turn it around damn quickly. If, if that's the, if that's the case. And uh, yeah, I mean, they have to come out, they have to start fast and they just, and they just have to have a much better all round performance. All right. So what are the keys in this game? Peter offensive key, well for me they have to start they have to start fast. I don't want to see any of this run first down run second down third down incompletion punt, right? Three three and out on the opening drive is not going to do this. They because there's a danger then you just fall back into what happened last week. I think they have to start fast and I think with these teams that that you expect to have losing records, you have to try and put them away quickly. Cuz the longer they hang around one bounce of the ball one field goal that hits the upright one tipped pass whatever can swing it can swing a close game so i think you have to put them away quickly and i think a lot of this although you know i was really down on on the defense we kind of know what they are i think a lot of this is on is on 12's shoulders because i think he has to come out he has to play well and he has to get rid of the ball quickly when the guys are open even if it's a five-yard pass, get the ball in the hands of Jones, in the hands of Hill, in the hands of Adam. Hands of your playmakers and let them turn five-yard passes into 15, 20, 25-yard passes.
0: Offensive line, they got to play better. They got to figure it out. And I, I'm not anticipating seeing a roster change, so I'm I'm expecting it's going to be the same lineup and in the, in the same people in the same spots, which I don't agree with. Royce Newman's got to figure out what the hell he's doing out there on a the football field. Start playing like like a man, like th- this is the pro level, buddy. And you got twelve back there, you got a bunch of all pros in, in the backfield. You gotta get it going. You know what I'm saying? So to, to me, the offensive line has really, really got to figure it out.
2: I think what you said before, I think Runyon should be at left guard. Patrick should go back to the right side just yeah. for now to protect Myers from just being a rookie. Do I think he's playing poorly? No. But you got to protect that guy so that he can play to his ability level too. I don't understand the rookie and then Patrick moving to the other side. I guess you put your best five out there. And that worked for the Packers last year, right? There was a lot of shifting and moving and guys playing in different positions. And maybe that's why they did it this time. They're like, well, Patrick can move. Like He's played some left guard before, so let's throw him out there. Maybe that's the idea. I don't know. My key on offense is not only to start fast, and I don't think I've ever said this before, I think they should pass, 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 and pass some more. I think they should do old West Coast offense, get Rodgers in rhythm, start throwing five, six, ten-yard passes so that he feels back in sync. I don't think they should run the ball at all, especially with the CUDA being out. That's like a JV defensive back room. I think you just throw the ball until they stop you and then go balance. Once you're kicking the shit out of them, then you can start balance off and start running the football key on defense. I know they're always the same, but go ahead, Todd. What's your key?
0: <laughs> linebackers, linebackers and linebackers. I I don't think that the linebackers had a, had a very good game on Sunday myself. I wouldn't say terrible, but they need to take control of the field. Like those guys need to be dominant and, they need to start getting in, in guys' ear holes. They need to like provide some leadership on the field. It doesn't seem like there's a leader on that defense ever. And I've said this in previous podcasts, but there just doesn't seem to be that one guy who's got control uh, of the guys on the field. And I think it, it, it's, it speaks to the linebacking play. It's weak. It's a vulnerability on the defense. It, it has been the last few years, and it still looks the, the same to me. So those guys need to step up. I didn't think Barnes really had a good game either on Sunday, and and I'm I'm a pretty big fan of his. I just did not see him making any plays out there. They got to start making some plays and stepping up and lead.
1: I agree with that. You don't you don't see any great defenses, do you? That don't have excellent play from the from the linebacker spot. You just you just don't see that. Unfortunately, I think this Packers defense is is what it is. What's my key? My key for the for the for the Packers on Sunday defensively is not to give up any big plays don't gift bad, bad team easy scores because <clears throat> I think you have to work on the basis that this is not the Saints offense. I think it would be very difficult for Detroit to put together 12 or 15 play drives to go down and score without turning the ball over or without, without having a, a faux pas along the way of such, such a drive. So, so for me, that's key. Don't give up the big play. If I am the defensive
2: coordinator of the Green Bay Packers this week, I put nine guys in a box And I forced Detroit to throw it outside to their wide receivers, stop the run, stop the tight end. And they don't have anything else. I know you are who you are on defense. Your defense is what it is. Joe Barry has his ideas. And I know you can't completely go away from what you do, but in this game, I think you should put Alexander on one side, put Stokes on the other. I let them cover man to man and let the rest of the guys play the middle of the field because Jared Goff has a decent arm. But it's not elite and they don't have anybody to throw it to. There is no way Quintez Cephas beats Jair Alexander on any play. Stokes is fast enough to catch Amon Ross St. Brown or whatever his name is. <laughs> he can give him a five yard <laughs> head start and still catch him. My gosh, this seems like an easy defensive game plan for me. That's what I would be doing. Get off the field, right? Get off the field on third down. Don't make it feel make the Detroit Lions coaching staff feel like they can go for it on fourth down every time. Cuz didn't it feel like in this Saints game that they were never going to punt? And the only reason yep. they punted at the end is cuz they're like, well, we're already up 31-3 in this game and we might as well just punt it away. Jared Goff's not Jameis Winston as far as quickness or his feet goes. You should be able to get to that dude. And you should be able to put him down. Peter will be up until crack of dawn watching this game.
1: Yeah, and I think that really helps the Packers. You know, it's the same for both teams, but the Packers being the home team don't have to travel. And I also think with the Packers being so undercooked from the preseason, in fact completely raw. Nobody was cooked from the preseason. That helps the Packers. I think that extra day helps the Packers a little bit more than it helps the helps the Lions. And and as you both said, absolutely must-win game. If we're we're sitting here next Tuesday and the the Packers are 0-2, it's difficult to see where this season's going. And I know there'll still be 15 games to play, but holy moly. Ty, any final thoughts?
0: I think I've said what I needed to. I am up to, was it $5? No. (laughs) 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 $6.25, I think it was. I'm proud of you. Proud of your efforts you. today. Thank you.
2: Appreciate I think it. I brought you my A game. You did bring your A game. It's almost your A plus game. Yeah. I don't know how many quarters are, but I put on Twitter. I asked people what the if it was over under ten dollars in cuss words for the episode, folks. If you bet the over, if you took the over, we are
1: definitely over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Peter, did you bet <laughs> the over? I bet the over. I knew I could trust you two guys. Awesome.
2: And I really tried. <laughs> I really try to hone myself in, but there's just times I can't control myself. All right. So I have no closing thoughts. So thanks for listening to episode 54 the hot dog finger episode.
0: <laughs> go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.